This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. Tim McMaster here along with MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We are days away from the top 100 draft list being released, so we'll get into that a little bit without giving anything too big away. There are also some big debuts in the majors this week, including Yankees top prospect Glaber Torres. But before we get to those topics, we have a guest, Austin Riley in the Atlanta Braves organization joining us now. And Austin, first of all, thanks for joining us. Um, a great week for you. You remember the MLB Pipeline Prospect Team of the Week. Uh, 13 hits, your third homer, eight of those hits, extra base hits. Um, just a great week. And I think I read somewhere that you've been called a slow starter in your career at times. That doesn't seem to be the case this season. Well, I appreciate you having me, and uh, no, not not this year uh, so far. Uh, you know, I kind of you know took that to heart. You know, the you know last couple of years, uh, I have had slow starts, and uh, you know wanted to wanted to make the adjustment and you know change that this year, and then so far it's it's, it's rolling on. How much do you think that the fall league might have helped Austin? I mean, you had a great fall league. You were on a you know one of the best probably prospect lineups uh, anybody's ever seen in the folly. The team was just stacked. Do you think that helped fuel this at, at all? I mean, you, I, I think if I remember correctly, you led the league in slugging and, and you know, had an all-around great year. Did that help much, do you think? You know, I think, I think it did a, a lot. Just, you know, going into, you know, not not as long of an offseason, you know, getting to, you know, still play baseball and, you know, the talent out there was was unbelievable and, like you said, our, our team was stacked and, you know, that just made, made us you know, as a, as a group, go out there and, and try to compete. You know that that much harder every every day. And you know, I think I think it did it did help a lot. Austin, I'll go on record. Uh, Tim was trying to protect me, but I'm pretty sure he read that you're a slow starter because I wrote that. Um, uh, but there there is data to back it up, and you and I have talked about it in, in the past. So I don't think I was uh, really giving anything uh, away there. You're a guy who, you know, since you started your pro career, people have talked about the power, uh, and and that kind of sometimes takes over the conversation. Uh, you know, how eager are you, uh, you know, with how you played in the fall league, how you started up this year, to continue to show people that uh, you're more than just the, the home run guy and that, that you, know, you can be more of an all-around player than maybe sometimes people give you credit for? Oh, uh, you know, I'm I'm very very eager. You know, I've actually hit hit more triples in the start of this season than I have in my career. So yeah, showing I guess you could say showing off the the speed of which I think I have. Uh, no, but uh, no, it's 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 good. You know, defense is coming along. You know, great. Um, you know, working with Ron Washington this uh, this spring was was uh, once in a lifetime. You know, I, I love that guy. Just the little the little amount of time I've. I've been been working with him, and uh, you know I think you know like like I said that right there defensive has, has been you know really my main my main focus is you know improving improving my defense trying to 
like you said, become a more all-around player, and then it's uh, starting to show. Austin, you mentioned working with Ron Washington down in spring training, and I spent one day down there at Braves spring training this spring, and uh, you got to spend some time with Chipper Jones as well. Talk about that experience and, and dealing with a Hall of Famer during the spring. Oh, it was unbelievable. Uh, you know, getting to, to talk up with a with a caliber guy like he is, it's you know, once in a lifetime. Not many guys get to say they've done that, and you know, being around him in the clubhouse, she, we talked. One day we talked for like an hour about just hunting, you know, just getting to getting to talk with him was uh, was special. And you know, you know, really working, uh, you know, he really picked my brain on the mental side of the game. You know, the, like I said, the game inside the game when you're when you're up to bat, you know, trying to figure out what that pitcher's doing. And uh, you know, my approach itself is, you know, just just talking to him. You know, I'm not not chasing as many balls. You know. I'm, starting to hone in on what pitchers are trying to do to me, and that, that, that helped a lot. Austin, going into your senior year, if I remember correctly, I think scouts were a little bit higher on you as a pitcher, and if I remember correctly, I think you, you wanted to pursue hitting in pro ball. When you see what Shohei Otani is doing in the big leagues and the fact that Brendan McKay, you know, last year's raised first-round pick, is getting a chance to do both, is it ever crossed your mind do you ever think like it would have been kind of fun to try to do both or or do you you know how much do you miss pitching i'm gonna be honest i i don't miss pitching at all i i uh definitely love playing third playing the field uh playing every day was was my was my go-to and uh you know that's that's awesome what they're doing but uh you know if i could if i could just stick to to the infield at third base my my whole career i'll, I'll definitely be okay with that uh Austin, I wanted to ask you a little bit. First of all, uh, you, you were talking about your triples, and I had a look. You have you have three triples, which is tremendous. Um, so, yeah, anytime anybody says you don't have wheels, just point to that total. Um, that's three more triples than Ronald Acuna has. So, <laughs> so you have that. Well, I wanted to ask you, you know, not just about him, uh, but also about the, the system in general. But you can start if you want to start with him, uh, just because you gotten to see him over the last couple of years you played with him in the fall league i mean how much fun is it just to watch a guy who's that good go about his business uh, every day and and just being a part of a uh, a system uh that is so rich with young talent you know it's awesome you know starting off with him you know he's he's one of those players that's going to play a long time in the big league you know he's you know as soon as, as soon as he gets out there i'm sure it's going to be here pretty soon uh you know, I feel like he's just going to take off, and you know, like a bunch of us were talking about during spring training. Once we got we got sent down to Miley camp, I mean, during the games, I mean, he's hitting, I swear, a home run every every game. Just kind of laughing, it it just looks so easy to him, and you know that that right there, just, you know, says that you know he's he's going to be around for a long time. And you know, the the pitching that we got, you know, Mike Soroka, Colby Aller, Kyle Wright, all those guys, they're they're unbelievable. Those guys, you don't want to. You're glad that you know you have them on your team, and you know you ain't you ain't got to face them every day. Austin, thanks so much for taking some time. Keep piling up those triples, man. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Good stuff there from Austin Riley. Jonathan, um, you brought up the three triples for sure. Not part of his game, but but what is there still to add for Austin Riley's in Double A right now before he's going to be ready to get to Atlanta? You know, I think he just needs to to keep working on his overall approach at the plate. Uh, you know, the, the power is legitimate 20 homers. The, the last, 
uh, two years. He has been a really slow starter. There's been a good amount of swing and miss, but you know, last year he cut his strikeout rate and improved his walk rate uh, a little bit, and that, that helped. And, uh, and, and this year he's off to a much better start as an overall hitter. Uh, you know, that slow start in terms of what the numbers look like at the end, it's hard to overcome. But uh, he's had some really, really good second halves. And uh, we, we joke about the three triples, but one of the things that I think has been interesting with him is that almost everybody thought that eventually he'd be a first baseman. And maybe he will eventually uh, down the road. But he has worked, as he said, tirelessly on his on his defensive work at third and i think you know he's more athletic than people give him credit for because he's such a big guy uh you know the, the triples notwithstanding he moves pretty well uh, i was actually uh, pleasantly surprised when i saw him in the fall league uh with how well he moved uh, at third he's got decent feet uh, and he's got obviously a strong arm as a, as a former pitcher so uh, i think he's going to continue to want to prove people that to pr- prove to people that he can stay at third and uh, as long as he continues to improve his overall approach enough to tap into that power semi-regularly, uh, we're talking about a really, really good run producing a third baseman at the big league level in about a year. The path to first base in Atlanta, a little trickier with Freddie Freeman over there. So third base seems like the, the right move at this point. Um, Jim, what do you like about Riley at this point? Uh, you got to like the bat. I mean, I, I'd second a lot of what Jonathan just said. I'm probably not quite as optimistic about his defense. I, I personally I would describe him more of a chance to play third. I you know, I I don't know if he's gonna be much better than adequate to average, but you know, I think you know the the thing that most interested me just with our interview with him, I mean, Ron Washington's kind of the, the gold standard of infield instructors. So I mean that's a tremendous resource for him to be able to tap into and you you could tell he was excited about working on that and and, and you know, one thing I, I thought was good you know, good too to hear you know, sometimes it seems like, especially in this showcase era, there's a lot of guys who, who like to hit and hit some more and hit some more, but often seemed really focused on improving his defense, really excited about the opportunity to work with Ron Washington. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much he can polish him up. I mean, not that, that fielding percentage is, is the be-all, end-all of defensive stats. You know, one error in 18 games last year, and, I mean, he's been an erratic guy. He was erratic in the fall league. He's been erratic in the past. So, I mean, they've cleaned that up, at least so far in the early going. Yeah, the first step is to uh, take care of the stuff that you can get to and then maybe improve from there. All right, well, I mentioned the the debuts that we've had this week, and we will have another one uh, coming up tonight. Let's get into that a little bit, and we'll start at the top as far as prospect rankings go. Glaber Torres. Number five overall prospect in the top 100, number one Yankees prospect, finally getting that big league debut on Sunday. Uh, day game at the stadium in the Bronx, got the standing ovation before the first at-bat. Then he took his lumps a little bit. He struck out in that at-bat, ended up going 0 for 4, but he came back on Monday night, got his first big league hit. Uh, Jim, now that Torres has finally made it up to the big leagues, we thought we'd see him a year ago, but the injury meant we've had to wait. Will he stay there? I mean, I think he's talented enough to be there to stay. I mean, that said, I mean, somebody's going to probably go down when Brandon Drury comes back, you know, which is up in the air as to how long he'll be out with migraines. And the Yankees are contending. So if Torres, you know, got off to a slow start, 
I think they would send him down. I mean, you know, from a talent standpoint, I mean, I do think he's ready to hit in the big leagues. I do think he's going to have above-average power, you know, once he gets going and gets established. I mean, that might not be right away. I think he's capable of playing second, short, or third. But, you know, you also have the cliche about how, you know, you don't want to have a guy like him sitting on the bench. So, you know, because the Yankees are, you know, they have, I think it's kind of World Series or bust for the Yankees this year. If he doesn't perform... Then I think when Drury is ready to come back, they might send Glaber Torres down. So I don't think he's a lock to stick. Although I, I, I think he's gonna—he's such a talented hitter that I would think he'd be able to hold his own enough um, and give them more. You know, they, they were getting almost nothing. I mean, Tyler Wade was really struggling offensively at second base. Neil Walker wasn't doing much. Ronald Torres, you know, has played well in a handful of starts. But you know, Torres is a better hitter. He's a better runner. He's a better defender, and he's got more power. So <laughs> I'd play him over Ronald Torres, too. <laughs> Seems like a, a no-brainer of sorts. Jonathan, last week on the podcast, we talked a little bit about Ronald Acuna and the struggles down in the minor leagues to start the season and how the Braves wanted to wait until he got things going. That wasn't a thing with the Yankees because Torres was off to a tremendous start in the minor leagues. Yeah, it made the, it made the decision easier. You know, Obviously, they felt that they had the pieces at the big league level where they could let Torres get some at-bats, you know, keeping in mind how much time he missed last year because of the injury. And uh, I guess it was his non-throwing elbow, uh, and he's a position player. But, you know, there's timing and there's rust, and, and you don't know how it's going to respond and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, I don't know that it, I mean, a handful of minor league games made a, a huge difference, but I think it gives you a little bit more of a comfort level of, okay, it looks like he's – you know, in sync, uh, his timing is good. It you know, he hasn't missed a beat in terms of how he can swing the bat. Uh, and and they needed, you know, they needed the help with Zuri going down. Uh, so it was, you know, it, it was good timing. And then I agree with Jim. You know, uh, I think at the end of the day, if he if he's hitting well, he's going to stay in the lineup. If if he's scuffling a little bit, uh, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, you got your feet wet. You saw what it was like. Go back down to AAA, get some more work in, and be ready for the next time we need you. Obviously, joining the New York Yankees on a team that's expected to do big things this season with all the talent they have and making that debut at home. I mean, it's a lot. Let's be honest. For a young guy like Torres, it's a lot. But how much, Jim, do you think it helps with the fact that Aaron Judge has been through this? He's still young. He's on that team. And Duhar is just kind of going through it now as well and is thriving so far over for the Yankees, too. And, and obviously, those guys are, are in that infield together. The fact that this Yankees roster has so much young talent maybe helps each guy along a little bit. Yeah, maybe you, know, you can throw you know Sanchez in there. Severino's still pretty young. You know, all those guys, with the exception of Judge, are, are Spanish speakers. So I mean, it probably helps some. I mean, you know, going back to when the Cubs first signed him, and, and even going back to his first spring training with the Cubs, I mean, his makeup has always been been lauded as you know being very strong. I mean, he he's he's you know, Glaber Torres has always been one of the youngest guys in his league, pretty much every year in pro ball. He's the second youngest player in the majors right now behind Ozzy Albies. So, yes, the competition's better, but kind of being the young guy, you know, against much older competition, that's not new to him. And I do think that this guy is, you know, they, you know, mentally stronger than the typical player too. So, I I don't think he's going to get faced by. It. I mean, I I would think you know, thinking back to when Alex Bregman, you know, got started off and he went, what was it, like one for 32 or whatever it was. And, like, I don't think anybody worried about Alex Bregman because they knew 
like, like I think we even said on the podcast, in a way I thought it was almost a good thing because it was just going to really tick Alex Bregman off and, and make him that much more committed and determined to, to do well. I think even if Glaber Torres struggles, I don't think this is going to be a case where he sits there and starts doubting himself. I mean, the guy's always hit. He knows he's going to hit. He knows he's good. So I, I, don't, I, I don't think he's going to internalize that pressure as much as some other guys might. All right, moving on to the next guy, and that is Walker Bueller. Obviously, Bueller made his deep debut a year ago, but out of the bullpen for the Dodgers. Monday night, he finally got to get that start in for this Dodgers team as they have some injuries in that rotation. Not bad, Jonathan. Five innings pitched, four hits. He didn't allow a run. He struck out five. He walked three along the way as well. Obviously, this is a guy who is a starter long-term for the Dodgers, and it's, it's nice that this time around he got to come up as just that. Right. You know, last year he comes up and he's in a role that he's not really accustomed to. Uh, you know, you didn't know how much he was going to be used. This stuff is just ridiculous. Um, you know, it's, it all works. Uh, he was pitching well in, in AAA, uh, you know, and I think he did what everybody sort of hoped he, he would do and, and then some. Um, he almost looked, uh, watching and watching the highlights, you know, and you kind of like to see this from a young pitcher, disappointed when he got taken out of the game, you know, uh, because he was throwing well. He wanted to stay in there. They, the pitch count was up a little bit for five innings, but in a different scenario, he, he probably could have stayed in there for, for a little while longer. But, you know, I think people got to see what he can do over an extended period with uh, one of the best collections of, of stuff. Uh, of any pitching prospect. I mean, this is a guy with, with four legitimate pitches, three of them are plus, and he, and he commands them well. Uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't get big league hitters out consistently. Uh, you know, will, will there be a learning curve? Of course. Um, you, you know, uh, you can't walk, you know, three and five innings every time. Um, but, uh, you know, there's no question in my mind uh, that he has the stuff and the makeup and enough development time to, to succeed as a big league starter right now. Jim, obviously this rotation is going to get healthy again. You would think at some point they don't have the depth they did necessarily a year ago, but how good does Bueller have to pitch to stay up with the big league club right now? You know, I think it's like we were saying with Torres. I mean, I think he definitely has to perform. Um, you know, again, I mean, this is a team that I would think anything less than getting back to World Series and winning it would be a disappointment given how close they were last year. And, I mean, their depth isn't what it was, but, I mean, you know, their rotation, if they have the rotation they're hoping for, I mean, you know, you know Kershaw's obviously given. Alex Wood was an all-star last year. You know, Ruru has been very good at times, and he's been their most effective starter this year. Kenta Maeda has been pretty good, and, and Rich, Kill, Rich Hill can be very tough to hit as well. So, you know, I, I think, you know, at this point, Rich Hill's the guy in the DL, which, I mean, not that that's an uncommon occurrence, but when, you know, Rich Hill's ready, and I think he's only supposed to be, I think it was, what, like a cracked fingernail. My guess is that, that Bueller will probably be back in the minors. Maybe he'll make one more start, depending on how, you know, what Hill's availability is. But my, my, it looks to me like he's probably up for two starts, then back down to the minors and waiting for an opportunity again. You know, if there was a longer, let's say somebody was sidelined for a longer period of time and Walker Bueller was getting the opportunity to make six or eight starts, and let's say his stuff, 
you know, which Johnson was talking about, which is really, really good. And he, you know, averaged 97 miles an hour with his fastball last night. And I think it was Fangraphs uh, last September when Bueller was in the big leagues first time had his curveball is basically the best curveball in the big leagues during September. Um, it, it's crazy good stuff. You know, if he had a chance to get on a roll, then I think it would be harder to send him down. But even if he throws five more scoreless innings his next time out, it, it sounds like barring somebody else getting hurt or, or Rich Hill not coming back as quick as hoped, that he's probably heading back to AAA for a while. Certainly gives him confidence going forward uh, next time he gets called up, if that is the case. Jonathan, one more thing in play with Bueller, I think, is that there is an innings limit of some kind. I don't think the Dodgers have said what that is, but they want to limit the innings in some way. Now, I don't know if that's putting him back in the bullpen at the big league club later in the year so he's he's a weapon in the postseason or, or how they're going to handle it, but that's another thing in this equation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. And he threw, what, I'm looking at about 121 innings between the minors and the big leagues last year. Uh, so without knowing, uh, usually, you know, it goes up incrementally. So you have to figure that 150 innings, uh, you know, given his, his, you know, the Tommy John surgery and his, and his past. So it, it's not like a super tight, you know, 100 inning kind of deal where you have to really, really worry about it. Um, I think it's easier to monitor when he's down in the minors, and then you can sort of see what's needed. Uh, I think they could probably limit his innings and pitch totals and things like that, uh, pitching in AAA, and then he could have plenty left if, if uh, he's needed to start later on in the year uh, you know, in, a, in a playoff stretch if, if there's a need in the rotation. All right, one more guy to get to. Hasn't made the debut yet. He'll do it tonight as we record this on Tuesday afternoon. Eric Lauer, Padres number 12 prospect. Uh, Jim, a pretty tough assignment. Go ahead, make your big league debut at Coors Field in Colorado. Yeah, but, you know, I've always liked Eric Lauer. He really intrigued me in the 2016 draft, and I'm not saying he's going to go out and dominate, but, I mean, this is a guy who can just really, really pitch. You know, he's not going to blow the ball by you. But he had some of the best control in the 2016 draft. Um, he mixes four pitches, you know, pretty much puts him where he wants. Uh, it, it's a low-effort delivery that he repeats really well. Low 90s fastball with some life. The slider's pretty good. He mixes in the curve and the change. And I don't know if you remember uh, when we talked about this guy, you know, in his draft year in 2016. You know, he had a, you know, it was a Kent State. It's a mid-major program. It wasn't the SEC. But, but the guy had a 0.69 ERA that was the lowest in, in NCAA in, in something like, I think it was 35 years or so. Um, and he gave up three earned runs in his final 12 starts. So, you know, he's, he's carved up the minors pretty much, uh, you know, not 0.69 ERA-wise, but he's moved pretty fast. Um, he's continued to throw strikes and mix his pitches. So, um, you know, they, you know his, his success is predicated on keeping the ball down and, you know, so maybe he's he's well equipped to handle course field. Maybe the more guys would be. And the Rockies said that they did. They or the Padres said that they did think about that fact and decided that he was fine and up for the task as far as his stuff and mentally as well. All right, before we move on to the draft stuff, we want to take a second to tell you about Yahoo Fantasy Baseball. Baseball season is in full swing, which means it's time to track your fantasy roster. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association five years in a row, and one reason is the Yahoo Fantasy app. The app will 
help you get the expert advice and analysis you need to make moves like a big league GM and crush your league. The app allows you to trade and manage your team right from your phone. Sign up by downloading the Yahoo Fantasy app or going to yahoo.com backslash fantasy baseball. Yahoo Fantasy Baseball, the official fantasy game of Major League Baseball. All right, the top 100 draft prospects is about to be released. Uh, maybe it has been by the time you listen to this podcast, and we will have a, a full recap on the next podcast for sure. But we're going to use this as a bit of a teaser because there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And, and the first thing I want to talk about, guys, is who's kind of in your range. I know you split up the country 50-50. Who has really stood out as far as thinking back to December when you came out with the top 50? Who has risen? You know, we, we hear helium and, and all those fun terms. Who's a guy like that for each of you? Jonathan, I'll start with you. Who's really climbed up in your area? I think, you know, there are a number of guys, but if we're going to sort of look at guys that weren't on our top 50 in December who have moved way up. Uh, I have to go with Jonathan India uh, at the University of Florida. You know, Florida's uh, getting most of their attention because of the pitching that they've had over the last couple of years. You know, A.J. Puck, Alex Fayedo, back-to-back first-round picks. Uh, Brady Singer and Jackson Coar are in their rotation now. <clears throat> Excuse me. I get choked up when I think about the Gators. Um you know, so they get most of the attention. And, and Jonathan Indy was a guy who, coming out of high school, was kind of like a, a nice little player. Everyone knew he wanted to go to Florida, but he really wasn't the kind of guy that was going to go high enough to to be signed away from that commitment, you know, from a really good American Heritage program. Uh, and and frankly, was just kind of okay uh, for the first parts of his of his college career. You know, solid college guy, but nothing. Uh, eye-popping that made you think, oh, I can't wait to see what this guy does in his junior year. And then this year happened. And pretty much from the opening bell till right now, the guy has been raking. Uh, He's hitting well over 400. Uh, Power has shown up. He's got a good approach at the plate. He's a good athlete who knows how to run the bases. He plays a good amount of third for Florida, but there are teams that think he's athletic enough to play shortstop so that kind of raises his profile even more uh so so this is a guy who's gone from you know not being in our top 50 and and not really being in strong consideration to be in that top 50 to being a guy who is now a top half of the first round kind of guy and college bats always move up if they perform but this is kind of moving up with uh with a couple of up arrows next to his name yeah, we're so used to the big arms at Florida. It's it's neat to see an infielder like India moving the way he is. Jim, you have a high school guy, I think, right? Yeah, Grayson Rodriguez in in Texas uh, is a guy. It's it's kind of a there's some parallels. I'm not saying he's as good, but there's some parallels to Forrest Whitley in that he's a, he's a Texas high school righty who got in better shape and his stuff and his stock took a big step forward in his senior year. I think he, you know, high school righties, you never know for sure because they don't go as high as, as they should because people are a little fearful of that demographic. But I've had guys, I mean, I think he's got a good chance to go in the first round. I've had at least, you know, one national crosser told me he thought he was one of the ten best players he's seen all year. Um, but this is a guy who, you know, last year, you know, led his high school to the to Texas State 3A title. 
Um, you know, but that's not, you know, it's kind of a mid-level classification. And was kind of a low 90s guy on the showcase circuit. And this spring, most starts, he'll top out 97 or 98 every time out. I mean, he's, he's throwing harder. It's got real heavy life. It's probably going to break a lot of bats. Um, he, he throws four pitches. The slider's probably the best secondary pitch, um, although the curveball's got nice shape, too. I mean, he's got, you know, he could have a pair of solid-to-plus breaking balls. Um, doesn't really need to change up, but he'll, he'll flash one every once in a while. Um, throws a lot of strikes. He's six foot five with a high three-quarter slot. So, uh, Tim, as, as you well know, I know you're a big fan of steep downhill playing, and, and Grayson Rodriguez has that. Um, you know, so he, he's a guy who, I mean, he was on people's radar, but you certainly weren't thinking first round and, and probably come into the year off the top of my head. I mean, he wasn't. There were probably about five or six high school pitchers in Texas who were that upper echelon down there. And he wasn't in that upper echelon, and now it, it barring you know, I mean, I guess signability could play a factor. You never know, but based on talent, he's clearly the best high school pitcher in Texas now. Steep downhill, pl- steep downhill plane, slightly ahead of pitchability in my glossary of prospect terms. Uh, so those are guys who are really moving. Then there's a class of players that it's just kind of tough to find a spot for. I mean, you guys have to rank these guys 1 to 100, which is tough enough. And then some guys get hurt. Some guys struggle. You know what they can do, but they're not doing it. There's a lot of reasons that it can make different guys uh, a tricky to, to pinpoint and where they're going to fit into the whole thing. Um, so let's move on, each of you, to have one of those. Jim, I'll start with you on this one. Who, who's been really tough to, to get a handle on? Um, and, he, and he remains tough to get a handle on. It, it would be Ethan Hankins, a high school pitcher from Georgia. Yeah, he came into the year. Uh, you know, He was the latest candidate, You know, be the first high school right-hander possibly ever to go number one overall. I mean, Jonathan and I both know, everybody who covers the draft knows the Tigers covet you know, outstanding fastballs, and he has an outstanding fastball, so it seemed like that was a possibility. I mean, look, when when you when he's on, I mean, it's 92 to 98 with just electric, electric life and, and really good command of the fastball. It plays like an 80 fastball. Um, you know, the, the, the not, he's got, you know, some guys give him a plus changeup. It's a very advanced changeup. But the knock on him during the summer, going into summer, was the lack of a, a, a really good breaking ball. You know, kind of like we heard with Hunter Green last year, and he improved it over the summer. So he, he came into the year, Tim, and, and you know, this guy was going to go at the top of the draft, maybe even be in that, that mix to go number one overall to Tigers. And, and early on, he came down. He, he left to start with shoulder tightness. It was determined it was a muscular issue, not any kind of tear or anything like that, like something in the shoulder blade. But, you know, since then, he, he took about a month off. And since then, you've seen there's some days where, you know, he's, he's pitching like 88 to 92. Uh, you know, he, he looks like it's not as, as easy. There's a little bit more, you know, laboring uh, on the mound. The, the breaking ball is not as good as it was last summer. So it's, it's tough because, I put it this way, there, there are a lot of teams in the bottom half of the first round who figured – we just need to take a cursory look at Ethan Hankins because he's not coming to us. And now all those teams are trying to figure out what to do with Ethan Hankins because, you know, because of the, the uncertainty about the medical, the, the, the stuff hasn't been as good. Um, he's committed to Vanderbilt, so the signability might be tough. Um, you know, he could be in play almost anywhere in the first round. And, you know, there's a number of guys, I think there's, I want to say five pitchers, Jonathan, that, we're going to have ranked pretty high in the top 100 who are just total 
physical wild cards right now. Hankins is the best of those guys, and it'll be interesting to see how they finish up. Um, you know, we. I, we, we won't give away any secrets, but, like, where these guys rank now, Hankins and these other guys on this list uh, could, you know, change when we update it again in May. Yeah, Hankins, certainly an interesting guy. And then Jonathan slade Sacconi's a guy that, that was hurt early in the year, but he's back pitching now. How has that affected his spot in the in the top 100? It's definitely impacted him. He was at 43 in our top 50, and he was kind of tough to rank when we did our top 50 because he was really good at Tournament of Stars uh, and then uh, pitching at the 18 and under national team trial. uh, And that was all he did over the summer. He did Perfect Game National Showcase before, and then that was it. Uh, His his family, his dad, they've been very careful and protective of him not pitching too much, uh, which has made it tougher for, for him to be seen. Uh, and then this year, you know, people were excited to see him at the at the NHSI uh, with his his school Trinity Prep, but he didn't pitch there uh, because of what people said was a triceps injury. Um, you know, it may have been the kind of thing that it had been a different kind time of year or a different situation. Uh, maybe he would have pitched through it. Uh, it didn't seem like it was anything serious. And again, they're they're very. Uh, cognizant of how many innings he throws and there was some talk that this was more of a saving him for the end of the year rather than using up all the innings that he was going to pitch at the beginning Uh, so he's only been seen once uh he pitched on april the 20th and did not throw well at all uh so now it's just kind of made to be seen you know just who is he uh is he signable uh, away from his commitment at the university of miami uh, over the summer, he was up to 96-97 in short outings. He's tall and projectable with room to add strength. He's kind of that prototypical high school projectable right-hander that a lot of teams like. Uh, but uh, with the few amount of times that he's been seen, I think it's tough to, you know, to, to get a sense of where you could take him and, and where he might be signable. So uh, that makes it equally uh, challenging to figure out where on the top 100 he belongs. And you can find out where they belong, both uh, Sacconi and Hankins, on the MLB Pipeline Top 100 list. It's either out in the next couple of days or depending on when you're listening to this podcast, it may already be available. That's going to do it for this Pipeline podcast. For Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis, and we want to thank Austin Riley of the Braves for joining us as well. I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey.